Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. So there was this ad campaign in the early 1970s that you may be familiar with, uh, and the ad campaign was, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Waste. Remember that ad campaign? And so it was for the United Negro College Fund, and they were basically showing the importance of students of color going to college and the impact that it would have on them and how, you know, it it is a waste for them not to have an opportunity to go to college. So this fund was set up for that reason, and this ad campaign went everywhere. It's still in effect today. They've added an ending to it that I forgot what it is now. just makes it really long. It's a bad bad slogan if it's too long to remember. So that's my only criticism of adding to that. It was catchy, it was perfect, and you've made it too long. We know the first part. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, that is true academically. It is a shame if someone doesn't apply themselves. It's true in life. If we don't apply our minds to our life, we're going to make terrible decisions and find ourselves doing things that we know we shouldn't do and and, uh, that we regret because we've wasted our mind. But it's also true spiritually. So today we're going to start or we're going to continue this series for the love of God. In week number three, we're going to look at these words of Jesus from Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. This is the theme of this entire four-week series. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second commandment, he says, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we've already discussed loving God with all your heart and all your soul, and today, week three, we're going to talk about loving God with all our mind. Loving God with all our mind. Now, there will be a little bit of overlap from the first two weeks in this series because these three things, heart, mind, and soul, they are somewhat connected. There's a lot of overlap to them, and so I'm not trying to repeat myself, but if I, if I do sound a bit repetitive, even, either from Ryan Christopher, who wasn't that awesome last week? I mean, he, the dude just brought it. I was telling him at lunch, I was like, dude, you just, like, boom, just brought it from beginning to end, and so I appreciate him being here last week talking about loving God with our hearts. Um, So there will be a bit of overlap even with some of the things he discussed, but we're talking again about loving God with our minds. I guess the main question is, what does that even mean? This is maybe the oddest one. How how do we love God with our mind? And there's really a three-step process I want to get us through to get us to that point to help us to understand what that really is and how we can do that. And I will say at the outset, there is quite a bit of scripture we're going to cover today. So quite a bit of what I'm going to do is here's what the Bible says about this topic, and we're going to explore those verses here uh, this morning for just a few minutes. So again, there's a three-step process that we have to really go through in order to even understand how to love God with our minds, what that even means, and then how to do that. And the first thing we have to do is we have to uh, know our mind. The first step in this process is knowing our mind. So what do we need to know about our minds in order to love God with it? Well, we see this in Romans chapter 7. Paul writes this, and maybe you can relate to him. I know I can. 
He says, I have, this is Romans 7, 21, I have discovered this principle in life. Are you ready? When I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. You ever been there before? I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my what? My mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. So the first thing we have to know about our mind is that it is at war. There is a war going on between these six inches right here, right? There's a huge monumental battle taking place. And the battle in our mind, is what we're battling over is attention and affection. That's the key to, that, that's victory or defeat either way, is with our mind what we give attention to and what we give affection to. That's the battle, plain and simple, in two short words. So this idea of free will, we all, we all have it, right? We choose to make decisions that we choose to make. So it makes perfect sense. We choose decisions all the time. Even small ones, even insignificant ones, we have free will in our everyday life. And so what that means is life is simply a series of what I would call value judgments. The decisions that we make day in, day out with our mind, battling for our attention and our affection, are value judgments. What things are bad that I should stay totally away from? What things are okay that I can, it's fine that I do this. What things are really good that I should really involve my mind in? And what things are the best use of my mental time and capacity, my attention and affection? We make value judgments every day, probably dozens of them every day. It's a battle of the mind. But the issue that we even looked at the first week about our, about our soul is this thing called sin. So even before there was sin, there was free will. That's why we sin, because we have free will. And so our free will sometimes, we, we get tripped up. Sin weakens our minds, and it lessens the value judgments that we make all the time. Sin can cloud our judgment. Sin can override good judgment, and sin will then justify poor judgment. That's the problem with sin, is it makes us do things, like Paul says, things that I don't really, I know are wrong, sometimes I still do them. That's the problem with sin. It weakens our mind, it weakens our capacity to make the best value judgments time after time. And we're all in the same boat, okay? I'm in the same boat as Paul, I'm in the same boat as everyone here, everyone watching or listening, no matter if it's now or 10 years from now, uh, this thing of sin is still in effect, and our free will at times chooses to make those poor value judgments. We are at war. Our mind is continually under attack. The battle for everything begins right up here, okay? The battle for your soul begins up here. The battle for your family begins up here. The battle for our community begins with each of us up here, it's value judgments. The battle for our culture, which is not making good value judgments on a regular basis, right? The effect that we can have on the culture begins with each of us right up here. It starts here, then it gets down to here, and then it goes here, right? It flows in that direction. It goes from our mind 
to our heart and then it comes out of our actions. That's why our value judgments in our mind are so important. So we have to know our mind, know that it's frail, it's weak, it's, it's scarred by sin, and we are at war in our mind, okay? So if we, if we now, maybe you didn't know that before, now you know, okay? But even if you did know, here's the truth. It's not just that we know that our war is at mind. We have to live like it. We have to act like it. We have to be active in the battle for our mind. If we're passive in the battle of our mind, we will lose that battle. And if we lose the battle in our mind that makes poor value judgments, we cannot love God with our mind. If we allow, as Paul says, if I allow sin to override, and let me go ahead and read this. It's the next chapter, Romans 8, 6. He continues on this theme here. And Paul says this, he says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So again, we see a passive way of using our mind leads to death, to defeat, to destruction, poor value judgments that lead to poor decisions that lead to ultimate destruction. We find ourselves in messes all the time at work, at home, in our relationships, in our finances, in our spirit. Every area of life is affected by our mind, and we are at war, at battle in our mind. For passive, we're going to lose. But he says if we allow the spirit to control our minds, it leads to life and peace, which is victory in the battle of our minds. This is not easy. Because there are so many mess- forms of messaging that are trying to get into our minds all the time. 24-hour news trying to get into your mind all the time to affect your value judgments, your emotions, and then your actions. The way that we treat our neighbor can be affected by what we see, what we allow in to our minds. There are so many voices around us telling us what they think and what they think we should do, and what they value. And if we're awesome like them, we will value the same things they do, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether it's true or not, whether it's right or good or not. They want to make value judgments for us all the time. Our war, our mind, even right now, my mind is at war with my tongue and my brain, you know, trying to get words out. We hear things that are maybe true, maybe not true. You hear from all different angles at all times. Our mind is constantly at war. We have to know this about our mind, okay? We have to know this before we can love God with our mind. But this is only really the first step in this process. And the second step, it's not just knowing our mind, but then part of the strategy is then focusing our mind. That's the second step part to loving God with our mind, the second part of this waging war is to focus our mind so that we can love God with our mind. I mentioned this verse in the opening week, but it fits right here again. Romans 12, again, a lot of Romans today, a lot of Paul, he, he talks about this idea of the internal nature within us, which includes our mind. Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So back in, I had a slogan from the 70s. Now I'm going to move it up to the 80s. There was another slogan you might be familiar with. Uh, Apple Computers in the 80s, their slogan for a long time was, Think Different. Because they had a whole different approach to how the PC was supposed to work. 
It was supposed to not just be a tool for spreadsheets at work, but you can use this at home for all sorts of things, and you can have fun with it, play games with it. And there was graphics and all these icons that they invented. And so they're, we're going to think different about the computer, and then for you to get what we're doing, you have to think different as well. And I would say that's a pretty good slogan for the Christian mind as well. There's this definition of insanity, and that is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You've heard that before? Well, spiritual insanity, in in terms of the mind, is thinking like everybody else, but expecting a different outcome. Thinking like all those other people apart from faith in Christ and expecting a different outcome, that doesn't work. We have to think different. Otherwise, it's spiritual insanity. And Paul says we need the Holy Spirit's power to help transform our mind, to change the way that we think, to help us to keep those value judgments in check. When we see the things that are bad, we immediately have a red flag. Now, again, to connect the dots here, right, it doesn't mean that we're always going to make the right decision, because that's what sin is. I'm making the wrong decision. Most of the time, knowingly so. That's what makes it wrong, because I know it's wrong, but I do it anyway. But at the very least, as we focus our mind, and we'll talk about what that means in a second, as we begin to learn how to do that and intentionally do that, we will at least see the red flags more often and maybe learn some habits that we should avoid, learn some things that we should stay away from, uh, and that will help us with these value judgments that begin with this war in the mind. So Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 4 a very famous list, and I think Ryan mentioned it last week, but let's look at it for a minute here. He gives us things to focus our minds on that are going to help in our spiritual journey. Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts, so we're going to focus on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, I want to do a quick exercise, and we'll do this again next week. We're going to finish up this series, but next week, talking about loving God with all your strength. And we'll do a very similar exercise next week in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, but we're going to do this real quick. Look at these traits he lists, and then let's look at the opposite. So with each of these words, there's only really two options. You can focus on these things, or you can focus on the opposite of these things, and you will get a different result. So here's, let's look at it. So we can either focus on, he says, things that are true, or we can focus on things that are false. We can focus on things that are honorable, or focus on things that are dishonorable. We can focus on things that are right, or focus on things that are wrong. We can focus on things that are pure or focus on things that are impure. We can focus on things that are lovely or focus on things that are hideous. We can focus on things that are admirable or focus on things that are perverse. We can focus on things that are excellent, that's a value judgment, or we can focus on things that are inferior, value judgment. Finally, we can focus on things that are either worthy of praise Or we can focus on things that are a waste of praise. Because the battle up here is not for nothing. The reason that we're under attack in our minds is because God wants us to love him with that. It's a huge tool. And so with with these value judgments, we are really giving praise to something. 
we are in one way or another worshiping something with these value judgments. So I can direct my worship and praise in a good way, in the correct way, or I'm going to direct it in a, different, a number of different ways that are all inferior to the correct way. So that's the option that we have. Those are the, those are the two lists that we can focus our mind on. But here's the thing. Sometimes this second list, again, creeps up, as we already discussed a bit, because of maybe sin. So pride or jealousy would make me think maybe impure thoughts about my neighbor and what they have or their life. Or it would make me, you know, think inferior things about their I'm not happy for their success because I want it, right? That's a me problem. But that's not focusing my mind on the correct things, Sometimes we, th- we, instead of focusing on what's true, we hear lies, maybe about ourselves over the course of our lives. We begin to believe them. And so we operate from that false assumption. We're focusing on things that are false, not true, and that affects how we live. Sometimes what we hear about others that's second or third hand, we go off of that. Well, that's not true, or it's not lovely, that's not honorable, that's none of those things, but we sometimes go off of those We'll treat someone a certain way because of what someone said that someone said that they did 10 years ago, and now it affects how I interact with them. We have to be very careful that we don't don't focus our mind on the wrong things, but on the correct things. Sometimes in the battle of our mind, fear is a huge opponent that we have to wrestle with and deal with. And we have to, again, be proactive in attacking fear. Now, again, I'm not saying fear is not going to be there. I just said it's one of the main opponents in this battle of our mind. So we have to fight against the reality that is there that is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of things that we see, fear of things that we hear, fear of things that we fear, okay? There are things that we're afraid of that we don't even know what they are, but I'm just afraid of it. We, that's, we're not focused in our mind if that's what consumes us. We're not being active and proactive in this battle. We have to focus our minds. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, we're getting off Paul for a second, going to Old Testament here. Isaiah gives us the perfect thing to focus our minds on. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Isaiah says, you will, this is talking about God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So let me take the word you so it's not confusing and put the word God in there because that's what he's saying. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in God, all whose thoughts are fixed on God. Our mind will determine our direction. Again, because the value judgments creep down into what what we think is important, what we want to do, whether it's good or bad, and that exudes itself in what we actually Our mind determines our direction. So we have to be careful what we fill it with. We have to be careful what we focus on. Isaiah says if we focus on God, we can have peace, perfect peace, he says. Paul says the same thing in Romans, that our mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit as we focus it on the right things, on the pure things, on the true things, on the best things, and ultimately on God, we can experience peace. Our mind determines our direction, and so we have to ultimately focus our mind on those things that are going to give us that peace. And it's intentional. So one more verse, then we'll get to the last thing here. I, I like this verse. This is back to, back to Paul. Okay, I can't get off Paul here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I love this verse. 
He says, for the weapons of our warfare, so again, he's saying the same theme. Different book to a different group of people, same theme. War in your mind, battle. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This verse is what I would call a mind control verse. Okay, I know yesterday uh, we did uh, this family Zoom magic show, and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, so I would recommend it, all right? We have the link if you're interested, okay? Uh, And so he did all kinds of cool tricks, and even a couple of them he gave away the secret. But I'm giving you the secret to mind control, okay? I I should have charged for you to come today because I'm giving you the secret to mind control, okay? This is a mind control verse. He says... Um, we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. Mind control is what we're talking about here. So a focused mind, even a renewed mind, does not equal a perfect mind. So even as we begin to gain ground in the battle, don't grow complacent in where you are spiritually. Don't grow too comfortable in where you are in the battle of your mind because eventually we're going to become passive and lose ground. We have to be active in this mind control. So here's what I mean. Uh, Sometimes you're going to have an impure thought. Guess what? Take that thought captive. Okay? Sometimes you're going to have untrue thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. Control them. Sometimes you're going to be filled with fear in your thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. So again, what I'm, I'm going to stress, I'm not saying is that you will never have negative thoughts in your, in your Christian life, okay? It just doesn't happen. But what I am saying is that God gives us this divine power through the Holy Spirit to control the thoughts that do enter in. And that's true. You can't control what comes in, but you can control what you do with that thought. You can control how much you value that thought or that thing or that what someone says to you, or about you, or what you see on the news, or what you let in, right? We, we can't control everything that comes in, but once it's there, we know it's there, and we choose, we can control what we do with that, how far we let that thought go, how, how, if we act on that thought or not. Well, so th- that's, that's the point of this mind control, focusing our mind, is that we have no control over what comes in, But we're at war, and so once it's there, once it's on the battlefield, then it's up to us to push back against the things that should not be there in our minds, that that does not help us to love God in order to love God with our minds. So we need to to know our minds, focus our minds, and the, the final step here is that we need to strengthen our minds. The final key to loving God with our minds is strengthening our minds. And this is a pretty simple one, but it's powerful. This comes through God's Word. This is how this works. It's really not a huge secret, but it's powerful. Luke 24, 45, this is Jesus. It says, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So this verse comes after the resurrection of Jesus. He's lived, he's ministered with his disciples. He's died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose from the dead. And now in Luke 24, he's with his disciples again in his resurrected form, still teaching them scripture. And these guys, you would think, by now they would pretty much get it, right? They're with the guy for over three years, day in, day out. 
They're with him now in his resurrected body. So they know everything he's ever said is true because what he said could not be done happened. A dead guy came back to life on his own, okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're still not quite, so it says he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. So I'll make this confession, and it may seem obvious, but I, I thought it was powerful. The confession is it does take an open mind to understand scripture see sometimes the slight that people have of religious people is you're closed-minded well no i'm so open-minded i believe that a dead guy rose from the dead and he's still alive it takes an open mind to believe that you look at the at the miracles in the bible that cannot physically happen that's not a a closed mind cannot cannot believe that so we our society has this thing reversed well, I'm open-minded because I believe, you know, anything except for your religion. I can't, no, 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 no you're closed-minded. No, it's the opposite of that. No, no, I believe that God made all of the rules of, and laws of nature, but yet he can break them whenever and however he wants to, right? And I've got a book full of stories that tell it that actually has happened. And in my life, and maybe your life, I've got evidence that God did things that could not otherwise happen if he wasn't involved. It does take an open mind to receive to understand, to accept Scripture. The supernatural requires an open mind. So an open mind doesn't equal an empty mind. It doesn't mean that you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, society is going to say that you are closed-minded, that you're a knuckle-dragger, that you're, you know, you're stuck back in the olden days, and we're beyond the horse and buggy, and we're beyond, you know, Jesus and the sandals and the dirt. Well, yeah, we're, yeah, I drive a car and I wear shoes, but it's still the same. It hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed. Uh, the, the theme hasn't changed. The person the book's about hasn't changed, doesn't change, won't change. And that requires an open mind. And as we open the scriptures and open our mind to the scriptures, it strengthens our mind. It helps us to see clearly and accurately the way that we should see everything in life. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Again, there's a weapon because we're at war. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And I, every time I read this verse, I feel like I say this statement, but I have to say it again. It's not that we just read the Bible, but the Bible reads us. That's the power of the book. As amazing as everything within it is, as true as everything within it is, the power of it is that it reads me, right? A guy who lives in 21st century America right now. It, the same ancient book still reads my thoughts and my minds, my motives and my intentions. It gets into my thought life. And the key here about this verse that I want to point out quickly, the primary use of Scripture for me is me. Okay, too often, so the Bible and other scriptures talk about the Bible is a sword in this battle. The sword is for me to fight myself, my own desires. Too often, the Bible can be used to fight others, to cut them down. To, it's the whole speck and plank thing Jesus talks about. You know, you tell your brother, I mean, you got so many issues and you got a big, you, know, you got a big, all these problems. He says, hey, they have a speck in their eye, you have a plank in your eye, you whittle your thing down and then we can talk about them, or I'll deal with them in fact is really what he's saying. Too often I believe, and one reason that 
really the Christian faith is looked down upon is because too often Christians will try to cut each other down to size with their problems and issues. And let me help you with that. And I had this huge beam that I'm knocking people over with. I've got my own issues. The purpose, the power of the scripture being a sword is that it helps me to win the battle in my mind, not so I can tell everybody else how to live their life or do their thing or believe what I believe or get their mind straight. It helps me. This sharp two-edged sword sharpens my mind. It focuses my mind. It strengthens my mind. It's kind of like a workout. And that's, sometimes Bible reading is not fun. It's like a physical workout. It's not fun, but there are benefits to it. Sometimes it hurts when I read something like, ooh, wow, that Jesus, that was for me. You know, I needed to hear that. I don't like that, but it, no pain, no gain. Scripture is the same way with our minds, and it's so we can be in a position to then have a clear mind, to then love God with our mind. One more scripture as we begin to wrap it up. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So the, the, I grew up memorizing the King James Version Bible, and that verse there, the, that first phrase is just study to show yourself approved unto God. That's what that he's saying here, is we study the Bible. It strengthens our mind. It fills us with truth. It gives us clarity and understanding. It has timeless truths that even as culture changes, as things around us in the periphery change, the truth of God's word does not change. So that's why I can build my life on it. That's why I know that it's, a, it's solid ground. There's a firm foundation. It's not, you know, if I build my life on the current trendy, cool way to live your life, guess what? In five minutes, <laughs> I'm on my back and I've lost everything. If I focus on, I'm going to, you know, do this thing because culture says that I should, and that seems to be the new way of thinking, guess what? In literally six months, there's a new way of thinking now, and everything I've built my life on is crumbled to the ground. But this, God's word doesn't change, so there's stability there. Uh, and let me just mention one more thing as we close about God's word and strengthening our mind. As we read God's Word, as we study the Bible, as we try to get into it, we're not going to understand everything in it. Do not allow that to be an obstacle to not engage with the Bible. That is weak sauce. Get that out of here, you know. I just swatted that into the third row, okay? That is not an excuse. If you want to learn something but don't know everything about that thing, what do you typically do? You keep, you keep going after it, right? That's what, that, sorry, kid, that's what school is. I don't know anything, and then once you, you know, finish 12 or 13 years of school, you still don't know much. If you're in the public school, no, I'm a public school kid, so I'm not going to have that fight. I guess, I guess my kids are in public school. I feel like they're homeschooled, but anyway. So we don't do this with hardly anything else. Well, I can't do that, but I really want to, so I'm going to quit. No, that's not what we do. What we do with the Bible, don't do that. That's not an excuse. We want to keep pushing, keep studying. You're going to have questions as you read. Ask those questions, right? Don't be afraid of things that don't make sense. Don't be afraid of things, well, this scripture seems to not line up with this scripture, but aren't they supposed to agree? Like, study, ask. Like, you know, if you need my email, I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm just saying if you need someone else to bounce something off of, if you have my phone number or email, that's kind of what I'm here for, is to help, help us discover this thing together. And if I don't know, I'm going to ask somebody that's smarter than me, 
and, and we'll, we'll try to do the best we can. Don't be afraid of questions. Don't be afraid of things that don't make sense. Ask those questions. I already mentioned this a little bit. There'll be things when you read the Bible that you might disagree with, okay? Don't be afraid of that either. But as you're not afraid of that, also assume the Bible's right on that thing that you disagree with. That's part of the battle of our mind. Again, that's why the Bible works on us. Just assume the Bible's right and I'm wrong and you're wrong. And as we agree more with what the Bible says, we'll have a better result in the end. And sometimes in your faith, in Scripture reading, you're going to face opposition. Maybe it's yourself. Engage anyway. Push through anyway. Don't be afraid because this strengthens our faith. Scripture strengthens our mind so we can be in a better position to love God with our minds. As we fill it with His truth, as we fill it with what is real, what is lasting, that puts us in a better position to outflow in true worship loving God with our minds. So we have to, again, know that we're in a battle for our mind. We have to know that that is true. My mind is weak and frail, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. I'm going to focus my mind. I'm going to push through all of the noise, all of the white noise, all of the voices, all of the people saying all these things. I'm going to try my best through the power of the Holy Spirit to focus my mind on God and on His truth. And I'm going to strengthen my mind through His Word. That's going to solidify the focus, right? That's, we're strengthening ourselves. So as I'm trying to focus, but I'm ingesting his word, I'm going to be able to focus better on the right things that will then make, I'll make better value judgments and then better decisions to worship God and love God with my mind. That's the key. As we know that we're in a battle, we fight, we focus, and we strengthen, we can then have this clear mind full of God's truth to then love God with our mind.